You are. you are listening to Making Bank, where we uncover the mindset and success strategies of the top 1% so you can amplify your life and your business. business. I think, Josh, the first thing you need to think of is what are your goals? What are you trying to accomplish with multifamily? Are you trying to do it on the side where you're using it as a retirement vehicle where you're, you know, you're working 30 hours a week and you want to leave your job and do this full time? I think that's the first thing. What are your goals? Or are you a high income earner like a doctor or a lawyer and you don't have the time and the bandwidth to dedicate it? Well, go out there and maybe you can become a general partner on deals. So first thing I think mm. is you need to set your goals and what you're looking to do. We overestimate what we can get done in a year, but we vastly underestimate what can get done in five years. You know, our first 18 months, goose egg. But within five years, we had 1,500 units because we had the clarity of what we wanted to do. So first mm. thing, set upon okay. what goals and what you're trying to accomplish. I think the next thing is select that market. Focusing on one market, especially if you're new, because you're going to really need to create those relationships. In business and in real estate, relationships are so key. Getting with in front of the brokers is really important. Doing property tours is really important. That's why if you decide today to start multifamily, you're going to need a good 60, 90 days, maybe even 180 days, let's say, to get all of this stuff going. And by that time, the market cycled and it's changed. That's yeah. why it's never a long time to get into it. So you've got your goals and you've got your market. Then you start networking with those brokers and getting on those property tours. And then obviously the education aspect, underwriting, looking at deals, taking, taking a look at all that stuff. But it has to start with you. You're the first one, like I said for myself, I knew multifamily was the right thing for me because I had the full-time job. I wanted to do something part-time with the intention of within two to three years to leave the restaurant and to scale into multifamily. So that's why I selected multifamily. I selected Knoxville. I selected the submarkets in Knoxville. And then I guess Jake is probably going to talk about the buy-right criteria, but we had a criteria of what kind of assets really worked for us. A deal for Jake and Gino is not a deal for Josh. It, you know, it can and can't be. Josh may have different goals, may have different timeframes may have different, you know, balance sheets. Josh may have a ton of money. Jake and Gino didn't have a ton of money starting. So those deals looked a lot different starting than they do now. Yeah, no, Gino, 100%. Okay. That's, that's, where, that's where I wanted to go with that. Because I think ultimately clarity as an entrepreneur will set you free. And what Gino was referring to in our first book, uh, we wrote about buy right, manage right, and finance right. And we really think that is the three pillars to sound multifamily investing. It's a, it's a framework. Once you buy it, that's done. You know, once you finance it, we're probably fixing for a minimum of 10 years. And then it all hones around that management. But you need to have proper buy right criteria. What do I mean by that? How big of a market are you looking at population wise? What do you need? What is the median income of that sub market or track that you're purchasing? Okay. What is the vintage of the asset that you're comfortable with taking down? The list goes on and on. But if you get clarity there, you can quickly remove deals off your desk when they don't make sense. So you're not wasting time with them. And then the ones that fit those, you know, criteria that you're, you're underwriting for, and then they, they meet the, the, uh, the metrics for your returns. That's what makes it easy. And then the brokers are not wasting your time if they're giving you, you know, units that have uh, window units and they, they, you know, they have older electrical. Okay. Maybe that's not on your list. You want, we only do central heat and air. We want washer dryer hookups in the units. Whatever you set that criteria that works for you, then you're going to have a better broker relation. Uh, so when the deals come through, you're going to close quickly because that's what they want. They want to be able to give you a deal they think, think, think fits. You don't give them a fucking hard time and you close the deal. That's how this relationship will work and you'll get more deals fed to you. So it's very important. Yeah, no, that was actually kind of my next question is like, you know, how do you kind of get that deal flow? You know, what you just kind of mentioned, you know, we're working with the brokers and getting it closed quickly and, uh, you know, and having that 
uh, framework of what you want um, in a deal. Yeah, we we also have these uh, these mercenaries out there, right? They're uh, I was going to say that uh, basically call direct to owners for us, and so they bring us deals as well. Where like that's what these guys do, and we'll pay them. They bring us a deal, and uh, we'll pay them to do it, and kind of do like an off market scenario. So we we do that as well. Yeah. As an entrepreneur, I mean, how should we be looking at different ways? to place our money. So, I mean, obviously there's real estate, there's residential, well, there's, there's, there's real estate and multifamily, there's, there's I'll tell you what, all different York, kinds yeah, of stuff. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'll tell you what the New York City guys like. And, I, and this, is, this is something where um, a lot of people don't talk about it, but this is sort of like the lifestyle of a real estate, life cycle of real estate. If you have significant wealth and you're sitting on like Josh Felber money, like tens of millions of dollars, you don't want to have 2,000 single family homes because it just doesn't make sense economies of scale. But if you're at that point in your life, you're looking for more prominence, aren't you? You're looking for more stature because there's only so many Rolls Royces that's so shallow. Today, people like to show off on Instagram their networks. They like to show off the assets that they own. Uh, for example, class A, what we call statement assets. Maybe Josh finally wants to be part owner of the Cleveland Browns, right? So that's, you know, as much as they don't perform, that's a different thing that these guys, you know, but they do make money. Because, Definitely not. No, of course not. But I mean, <laughs> but that is like a, that's a status symbol, right? That's a, st- a statement asset. You going after that because you know you're getting into it for two reasons. Number one, you can brag to your friends about it. And number two, you're going to be in a mix with more sophisticated investors that are going to help elevate your current business, right? Let's face it. You're not investing in these things because you want to make money. You do, of course. You want the bragging rights, but really, like, especially in like sports ownership and class A real estate, you want to find out who the other people are because all common denominators at some point with wealth creators come down to one thing, and that's commercial real estate. Now, the type of commercial real estate comes in is the speculative. So that's single family homes and that's uh, multifamily. That's a wealth creator. That's where you buy it, fix it, flip it. That's construction. You buy it, you flip it, you change from a class B, you know, class C to class B apartment families, anything with residential. It's a wealth creation mechanism because you're being paid to take the risk with crappy tenants who are poorer than you, right? The wealthy don't like that. People like you want tenants who are richer and more credit than you are because when you wake up in the morning, you're providing for your foundations and special endowments, certainty of cash flow that's coming in. So it's a whole different thing right now. The last thing you want to see is the Felber Foundation and red copper letters be smeared because it can't make a contribution or something for something that was promised because it was in a bad real estate deal. You can't have 40 single family homes in an impoverished area in America fund your foundation. It doesn't make sense. People try to do it. And the reason why they fail is because they don't have the network to get to the higher level into the more sophisticated opportunities, which is where we like to play, which is where you're dealing with commercial real estate, non-residential. A lot of people are scared of residential, the investors I have, because they feel as though the residential uh, tenants have a lot more rights than they do. So that's why they gravitate towards bigger centers like Class A industrial, office, um, statement you know, assets, but also investments that not only have a high perceived value status, but also has other smart shoes in there as well that you can network with. And that's more like commercial office buildings is, is what you're yeah, referencing? Yeah, you know, th- things, that what, what, we would, what they used to call the trophy assets, that's what we're talking about. So it could be like a skyscraper in, in, in Dallas. Uh, we had a bid right before the pandemic. We pulled it for... Uh, $130 million of a class B to class A office in Orange County, which would have been great. We had great, sexy drone shots of it. 
the pandemic came, we we're like, nope, we don't, you know, I said, we're removing the term sheet, we're out. Um, there are other types of, th think about aspirational real estate, like owning, you know, part of a casino or a hotel, like a really nice hotel. Think about it. A lot of partners in sure. New York own a lot of beautiful hotels. They trade hands. Some of them make money, some of them don't, because it's a status symbol to say that they own this hotel on Central Park West. Thank you for listening to Making Bank. If you have enjoyed this episode, please leave a review. And sharing is caring. Follow Josh Felber on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram for more. You can also listen to Making Bank on Amazon Alexa, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and watch on Apple TV, Success Thinkers Network, Amazon Fire, and YouTube.